we do have the power to rewire our brain to still achieve great things and succeed at what we do, but also balance the perspective of, I don't have to take every moment of every day so serious. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Paul Ozenkup, speaker, corporate trainer, and humor strategist. A jack of all jokes since grade school, Paul has gone on to build a career in comedy and became interested in the use of humor to influence, lead, decrease stress, and boost resilience. Now he's on a global mission for workplace happiness that has provided him the opportunity to work with hundreds of organizations, including Google, the U.S. Army, and the Harvard Kennedy School of Leadership. Paul is also a content creator for Happify, an app that provides evidence-based solutions for emotional health and well-being for over 17 million users. His first TEDx talk on the power of humor in leadership is used in corporate and collegiate leadership courses around the world, and his next is soon to be released. He is also the author of the forthcoming book, The Humor Habit. Paul's work has been highlighted in the New York Times, Forbes, and of course, on his mom's refrigerator. Listen in for some great takeaways about how humor and laughter can help your company meet and even exceed their business goals. Well, I have the pleasure today of being with Paul Ozenkup, speaker, corporate trainer, and humor strategist. So welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, so glad to be here. I'm excited to talk with you and I don't know, hopefully share a little humor and levity today. Hey, listen, in today's world, we cannot lack for humor. That's for sure with everything going on out there. So thank you. But before we jump into what you're doing today, can you share a little bit for our listeners to give them a little understanding of who you are, how you got to this point in terms of what your life and your entrepreneurial journey has been. Something that sums up pretty well who I am and kind of ties into this. When I was in sixth grade, I was just all about sports and I was like a class clown. I just didn't care about really much at all other than just having fun and doing my thing. And I was just kind of a dirty, scrappy little kid. And then I got some dumb idea that I was going to run for student council president in sixth grade. And I knew I wasn't going to win because the most popular girl in school, Chanel, was going to win. But I did a rap in front of the whole school and everyone liked it. And somehow I won as student council president and something clicked in my mind. Apparently I went home and I told my mom that day, mom, I think I'm going to need you to buy me a suit. And I wouldn't lay off until, because there was something that clicked in my mind that I was like, you know what? I'm in a leadership position now and I'm going to need to be taken seriously. And people aren't going to think I'm going to do a good job if I just look like a scrub all the time. So as early (laughs) as that, I had this like two sides of my life 
of wanting to be taken really seriously and do a great job at things and achieve great things, but also wanting to be myself and have fun and goof around and that kind of stuff. And that's all the way through my professional career. I worked as an associate dean of student affairs in colleges and universities, working with students with severe mental health and drug and alcohol issues. But on the side, I'm doing stand-up and improv comedy and one thing led to another and I started noticing how much humor impacts our day-to-day lives, both at home, at work, with these students I was working with, with my team. I just started to kind of nerd out about it and research it and started to give presentations on the impact of humor and the things it does for us. And that's kind of led to what I do now. Wow. Amazing. So it's all basically congratulations to your sixth grade self. That's kind (laughs) of set you off on this journey you're on today. I wish I could remember that rap because it must have been something pretty bad. I don't know how good of judges of either politics or white rappers, sixth graders are, but they had a keen eye back then. So well, they were willing to put you in a leadership role for <laughs> it. Right. So you must have done something right. I was you definitely killing the hit game. A yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you call yourself a humor strategist. I've never heard that terminology before. And I'm sure many of our listeners, which are a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, et cetera, probably haven't either. So what does that really mean? What do you really do? And how do you help businesses by doing this? Well, if I'm being honest, I I think it was a more marketable term than humor nerd, which is essentially how (laughs) it's ruled the world, though. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, what I do is I study the impacts of humor in business, at work, on relationships, productivity. And I also have a background in comedy. So I kind of combine both the neuroscience and positive psychology research with actual ways to use humor that I look at humor as really this resilience and productivity tool that is built into the human psyche that we just don't use enough and it can be developed. So as a humor strategist, I share with people ways that you can actually develop and use your sense of humor strategically to decrease stress, enhance performance, build relationships, that kind of thing. Can you perhaps maybe share like a real life example of somebody that you've worked with and you've helped them through that process or maybe not the whole thing because it might be very involved, but like one example that you've been able to open their eyes to show them how humor could be helpful and how it ultimately ended up helping them? Yeah, I'll do speaking events, workshops, things like that. And in one workshop, we were talking about the concept of taking your pain and playing with it. And one strategy is something I call the what I could have said game, right? Like looking back at stressful situations. And specifically, I talk about where I was being negative or acting dramatic and letting the stress of my day get to me. And there was this one manager who recalled a lunch meeting that her and her colleagues were supposed to have. And an email went out to everyone with a new location for the lunch meeting. It went out to everyone but her. So she ended up having lunch by herself across town while the rest of the team had a fun lunch together. And and she kind of let that fester. And her brain like held it as a grievance. Even though she knew it was an accident, everybody was very apologetic. And she came back to work and kind of gave her colleagues the silent treatment and let it affect the rest of her day in looking back at, okay, how could you have handled that with levity or humor to be able to let it go? 
and not carry that around with you. So she came up with in doing this, coming back to the office and going, thank you. That was the first hour I've had to myself in 20 years. Or, well, it sure made splitting the checks a lot easier. There's a lot of research that shows humorous reappraisal, like looking back at stressful, even up to traumatic moments in our lives and reappraising them, not just positively, but reappraising them using humor can actually lead to a huge increase in positive emotions and decrease in negative emotions that helps us then move on and be more resilient to those annoying things throughout our days. Yeah, I think that's a great way of reframing things and not, I guess, sweating the small stuff because it wasn't really that big of a deal. I mean, obviously it was a mistake, but in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't like a terminal medical diagnosis or something exactly. super, super serious, right? And I think the trick is to start with those small annoyances as you're doing this type of stuff. Start with the small everyday things and ultimately you're training your brain to start seeing the humor in these moments so that as things get tougher and tougher, you'll even be able to mine bigger struggles for nuggets of humor. Yeah. You brought up something about your stand-up, right? I've heard from folks who've kind of explored the stand-up route, business person first, interested in comedy, explored the stand-up. I've heard that there's a lot of benefits from going down that route in terms of helping your business presentation skills and your delivery within a business meeting. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I've anecdotally just heard through folks that I know in the business community who've gone down that route, they've really said it's been super helpful to their ability to connect with people and entertain, et cetera, in a business environment as well. First of all, stand-up is all very prepared, right? You're writing jokes ahead of time, you're preparing, and then you're workshopping it. So anyone who has to give a presentation, there's a fine balance between trying to be in the moment and go with the audience, but also being very prepared. You want to prepare, have the key points of what you're talking about pretty well prepared. And then if you're using stories, say, to highlight particular points in a presentation, there are definite comedy tricks and tactics to use to get more bang for your buck in those stories. Very simple things like, for example, the comic triple. So like you list three things. The first two are serious or obvious. And the third is surprising, funny, or different. I use that in my bio on LinkedIn and speaking gigs and stuff. It's like Paul's work has been highlighted in the New York Times, Forbes, and on his mom's refrigerator. It's just something (laughs) like, it's just a little thing that keeps people's interest. And that is a formula anyone in business can use. You see it in marketing all the time. So there are all these little techniques from the world of comedy that can absolutely be used in leadership, business, presentations, all that kind of stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. So leading with laughter is something you speak a lot about, right? Why do you feel that that is so critical? Well, being in a leadership role means a heavier burden, more responsibility, and probably then more stress. So for one, I think being able to lead with a sense of levity and laughter for one's own good to be able to alleviate some of the stress and burden by not taking ourselves too seriously. But then there's other gains too. Leaders who use their sense of humor and show their sense of humor at work more often, their teams are actually more productive, more engaged, They are seen as more competent and credible by their employees as well. So it also has those benefits. But to me, the more human case for it 
is we spend a third of our lives at work. And as I was saying before, like our sense of humor is a really big part of who we are as people. It's part of our identity that like goofy, silly person who you are around your siblings or your best friends or your family. You said you just got back from a family trip. And when we kind of let loose a little bit, that part of our identity is crucial to who we are. And while we can't show all of that goofiness at work, leaving that completely away from the workplace to deprive ourselves of humor for a third of our lives is to crush the human spirit, in my opinion. And people talk about bringing authenticity and leadership. Well, unless you're a total sociopath, your sense of humor is part of your authenticity as well. So is there a way to determine what the line is, right? Because typically we want to project a certain image, certain level of respect, what have you, whatever tag you want to put on that, right? So is there a way to determine what that line is that you don't want to be as you we all refer to your sixth grade self as the jack of all jokes, right? Right. You don't right. necessarily want to be be necessarily that far on the humor side, but how do you balance that? Is there a guiding principle that you could kind of follow? In my upcoming book, I've got a whole chapter on this because it's really important. I mean, the balance between being credible versus comical, right? And there is a lot that goes into that. And ultimately, there's the Bell Leadership Institute has some great research when they ask people, What are the characteristics of the greatest leaders you've ever worked for? And the two things that were mentioned twice as much as any other were work ethic and sense of humor. So we want to work for people who get their stuff done and are reliable and are there when we need us and can guide the ship, but that also don't take themselves too serious. One thing that I say is the work ethic, the reliable, to me, always comes first. You can't prioritize punchlines over deadlines. Nobody wants to see the guy who never returns emails or phone calls at every Taco Tuesday night or <laughs> team trivia. It's like goofing around. It's like, hey, you haven't responded to that email I sent three weeks ago. Like maybe you shouldn't be doing this right now. So I, I think prioritizing that reliability first, that way when you're someone that people can count on, then your jokes and your fun and levity is seen as a welcome reprieve. The other thing that I outline there is about how starting with yourself, humor about you and your own experience and yourself is always the safest place to start. And then shared experiences among you and your team. And you really run the most risk and it takes the most skill and practice to be creating humor or using humor about other people, their experiences, things outside of your general worldview. Right. Let's talk about that for a moment. You talk about it, and I think you just mentioned it just a moment ago. Why do you think it is so important not to take yourself too seriously? Because you have to add that in there. So why? Why is it so important that you not take yourself too seriously? Well, I think when we get too wrapped up inside with how crucial every moment, particularly in our adult lives is, it just adds to that level of stress and burnout. And Bronnie Ware, who's a palliative care nurse, wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying and interviewing people in their last couple of weeks of life. And one common thing from people who were facing their last couple of weeks of life, they said that, I wish that I had let myself be happier. And there was this constant refrain from those folks that looking back, they realized that so much about their own well-being and happiness was within their control and a choice. We do have the power 
to rewire our brain to still achieve great things and succeed at what we do, but also balance the perspective of, I don't have to take every moment of every day so serious. And there's no point in living your life as an actor in a drama just to reach the end to find out I was the director and it could have been a comedy this whole time. <laughs> to me, it's really about our well-being and providing a little bit of that balance between achievement and fun and levity and enjoying life. Sure. I see happiness as almost like an unattainable goal. It's something we strive for, but maybe necessarily not ever reach. We talk a lot about joy along the way. Finding the joy is something that can be attained, right? You can definitely earmark certain events in your life. And hopefully if you string enough joyous moments together, you can strive to get closer to that happiness, right? Which I think is your point right there. Yeah, I love that. The way I look at happiness and joy is like the difference between weather and climate. The climate of Southern California, for the most part, is like pretty sunny and warm, but that's measured over long term. But the weather on any given day could be cold and rainy. The reason it's so hard for people to think about, am I happy or whatever, is it's an overall in my life, looking at the totality, am I happy with things? But like you said, joy are those little moments of weather that make up the climate over time. So the more times that when I come home from work and my dogs are waiting at the top of the stairs, I can be in my mind going, okay. I got to get some groceries out and start making dinner. And, oh man, I forgot to mow the lawn and I got to get that done. And I can walk past and kind of pat my dog on the head, but be in that mindset. Or I can take that 30 seconds and kneel down and just let those dogs jump all over me and take that moment of joy and go, oh, I love coming home to these guys. And those little moments add up to an overall climate of happiness. I want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about our latest best-selling book, Financial Planning Made Personal. It breaks down complex financial concepts into simple, easy-to-follow steps that anyone can understand. Everyone has a unique financial journey, and this book can help yours. Do you have your copy yet? If not, please go to financialplanningmadepersonal.com and order one today. And I have one more question for you. What did you do today that brought you joy? That's a great analogy. Thank you for sharing that. So laughter, benefits, right? What are the, are there empirical benefits to laughter? And can you share what some of those might be? Yeah, both humor and laughter. I mean, there's a lot of physiological things. So when we find something amusing and when we laugh, our brain gets all sorts of great receptors, like a happiness cocktail floods our brain. We get like a dose of happiness. And by dose, you can literally think D-O-S-E, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins flood our brains when we find something amusing, when we laugh. So that's great. Also, cortisol, stress hormone decreases as well. So for example, a little productivity hack, people who take a break at work, you take a 15-minute break, they increase their productivity after that break. People who take a break and watch funny videos that make them laugh during that 15 minute break, upon returning to work are immediately, they're twice as productive as those who took a break with no humor. So it floods your brain with these chemicals necessary to kind of, I look at it as a psychological reset. 
But there are a lot of other benefits as well. I mean, people with a humor habit who have a habit of coping with negative life stressors using humor are more optimistic and positive. They have a greater sense of resilience in the face of future adversities. So there's a lot of benefits. Wow. So there is a place in the world for those silly TikTok videos is what I'm hearing. That's right, man. Yeah. When you're taking that 15 minute break, you should watch one or two of those and come back refreshed and ready to go. I Exactly. Guess. I always tell people you could set an alarm for like a little 15 minute funny at work. But if you're like me, you need to set two alarms. You need to set the alarm on the back end to get your butt back to work because I can get down. <laughs> Next thing I know, it's been, you know, it's like TikTok o'clock and it's like, okay, I need to, I need to Death get, scroll. Yeah, exactly. Get back on track. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Another fun one that I think in terms of like TikTok and watching videos and stuff that I call a comedy chaser. So like thinking about your screen time and what you're consuming, we're all still going to consume serious media, the news, true crime documentaries, whatever those things that we all love. But looking at whatever the last screen time you have of the day is, or maybe the last screen time before work or an important thing, make it humor, make it funny. So you're replacing those stress-inducing hormones with stress-reducing. So you go to bed or get to work or whatever and kind of cleanse the palate with a few laughs rather than going to bed after watching two hours of serial killer documentaries. Yeah, I like that. Very good actionable takeaway there. So let's shift for a moment to your book, The Human Habit. What was the purpose behind the humor it? Habit. Why did you write it? The humor habit. The humor the hum- habit. The humor I'm habit. I'm sorry, yeah. humor habit. But it is human. Humor habit. Yeah. They haven't taught AI bots really to use humor too well yet. So at this point, our sense of humor is what is going to separate us from the robots, I think, in the future. What was the impetus behind writing the book, The Humor Habit? What was the impetus and what do you want people to take away from it? Really, for me, it's after more than a decade now of researching the power of humor and then applying it in my own life, as well as using humor to entertain people in in comedy clubs and speaking events. I've just realized the immense power that our sense of humors have. I learned all of these ways to apply it and apply both principles of comedy along with research from positive psychology and neuroscience. And I thought I could combine these two things. For me, the big purpose of the book is that there's a lot written about how good humor is for us, but no one ever tells us how to do it. How do I develop my sense of humor? When do I start to laugh things off? Like when I lock the keys of my rental car in the trunk before I'm supposed to return it to the airport, like (laughs) I'm silly. No, I'm freaking out. (laughs) Right. But there are ways we can rewire our brain to see the humor in life closer to real time. I wanted to put those somewhere where people have access to it and help people do it. Great. Are there a couple of things just to give people kind of a precursor or preview to the book? Right. Are there a couple of things that we could give our listeners today that they could utilize, implement almost immediately to start helping them develop that muscle and utilize it in a productive way? One of the first things for me is learning to train your brain to see humor more often. So in the book, I kind of go with like, first, get rid of some chronic seriousness, try to clear your brain of some of the chronic seriousness we all have, strategies to do that. Then it's like learning to see humor. Then it's playing with humor and creating humor from your life. But the really important part is to be able to see the humor in life more often. And so I think 
one way to start training your brain to do that. It's a one week challenge. So for the next seven days throughout the day, write down three things you found funny or amusing that day. And maybe they make you laugh out loud. Maybe they're just things that make you think, oh, that's pretty funny and write those down. What researchers have found is that people who did this just for one week increased their overall happiness and decreased depressive symptoms for up to six months. And plus, it's training you to look for the funny things throughout your day because ultimately you'll find that something throughout your day will happen that would normally annoy you or maybe even anger you. And you'll think, I'll be writing this down later. And that's when you know, (laughs) even though you're not laughing yet, your brain has made a connection like, hey, don't freak out. There might actually be humor in this situation, taking that freak out maybe from like a nine to a seven, giving you just amount of perspective to go, there might be humor in this. You write that down, you revisit it later and go, oh yeah, yeah, there is some humor in that. And then the next step is to then take those and go, how can I find humor in it? What's funny about this? I think those are great takeaways. And I think everybody listening could take that seven day challenge. So Paul and I challenge you to take that challenge and also uh, take a look and read the book, The Humor Habit, and learn more of these techniques to add more humor to your life and situation. I've heard you say life is too important to be taken seriously. Can you share what you mean by that? I think it's an Oscar Wilde quote. So I'm like not near as smart as some of these people that come up with these brilliant quotes, but I just think ultimately kind of going back to that thought as we were talking about how so much of our overall well-being and happiness is a choice and that when we look at our life in totality and take kind of a thousand foot view, what we achieve, the hours we work, the people we impact with our work, that is important. But all of the little moments in life in between there, the daily things, that is also very important. And life is hard and sad and scary and hurtful, but it's also funny. And I think sometimes we lose sight of how funny and absurd and ridiculous things can be. It's too important to go through life and not be able to see that stuff. I agree. Uh, There was somebody in college and they may have stole this too. And I, I don't remember exactly who said this, but there was a friend of mine through my college years. They used to say, life is too serious to be taken seriously don't fight it. You'll never make it out alive. Yeah. Something along yeah. Those lines. And it may have been somebody who actually, somebody else who said that, but I remember they very vividly, they used to walk around and say that quite often. It stuck with me this long. So it must have made an impression back then. It does help. And for anyone who has found a little bit of humor in really difficult moments, you realize that, wow, even when I'm going through a hard time, we can still laugh. And it's not always about laughing at our struggles, but learning to laugh through them. It can be done and and we can train our brain to do it more easily. Well, I'll share a story. Uh, You mentioned me uh, traveling this past weekend. Yeah. It's actually somewhat humorous. So we wake up in the morning. My wife is very diligent about scheduling everything and making sure everything's set. We get up in the morning, clock hits 8 a.m. We realize that the car that's supposed to be picking us up isn't there. She rechecks the confirmation. She booked it for the wrong day. Instead Uh, of Wednesday, she booked it for Friday. So instead of freaking out, go online. We go to one of the car services. Luckily, there was somebody within our area, comes, picks us up, takes us to the airport. Long story short, as we're going through the security line, we're going to see my younger son do his senior speech. 
was stressful because of the situation. We needed to get to Minnesota. We wanted to see this. We started off on a bad foot. Right. All of a sudden, we're waiting on the security line. We put our bags through, and there is Bill Murray. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. And my brother-in-law and my father-in-law, my brother-in-law is no longer with us. We're huge Caddyshack fans. And my wife and I looked at each other and were like, well, this was a sign that things are only getting better from here. So we found humor in that moment with a comedian. Yeah, so that's, even, I mean, you literally uh, found humor. I mean, you 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 literally found <laughs> pinnacle. One of really the, yeah, one exactly. Of the greatest, I mean, right? that is well, and you probably would not have run into him if the car that was supposed to take you would have gotten there, right? So it's that's exactly what we were saying. Yeah, there were a series of events that had they went the way they should have went, we would never have seen him run into him or talk to him. So. It was funny. Go with the flow in life because sometimes you'll just end up running into Bill Murray. There you go. There you go. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And Paul, we ask each of our guests the same final question because this is the Midland Money Mindset and we are all about joy as we discussed earlier. So what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Two quick things. One is I'm a huge Denver Broncos fan, which has not been very joyous for the last six or seven years, believe me. Mm-hmm. New York football, no better. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. But one thing that my wife and I do from time to time, and we did it this morning, is on the Monday after a game, in the morning, we'll sip coffee before getting up for the day, and we'll watch the locker room videos of the players being interviewed. It was like a good 10 or 15 minutes just sipping coffee with my wife, watching Denver Bronco videos. And I was just thinking, man, I love having a wife that loves the same stuff that I do and will take a few minutes with me to do this. And it was a lot of fun and they won. So I was like being very grateful for like, finally my team won. And then also right before this (laughs) podcast, I took my dog outside to play in the snow, both just for a little energy reset for me and also to up the chances that he didn't interrupt me during this (laughs) this podcast. So There you go. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. Paul, we're going to have all of your information in the show notes, but if people want to learn more about you, want to connect with you, want to get the humor habit, you know, what's the easiest and the best place for them to uh, find out that information? Easiest thing is either just go to my website, paulozincup.com. It's O-S-I-N-C-U-P. Or just follow me on any social platform at Paul Ozincup. Trust me, I will be cramming the humor habit book down everyone's throats for the next six months so you won't miss it (laughs) all right well great we look forward to it i look forward to it and i appreciate you taking out time and and sharing your story and sharing a little humor and how our listeners can find humor in their situation and enrich our lives so thank you for that and enjoy the day yeah you got it you too thanks for having me on larry i appreciate it i want to thank paul ozencup for being a guest on the midland money mindset We all remember the Pauls from grade school that were the jack of all jokes. Paul has really applied his love of humor and has translated it into a way that businesses can be more successful and productive. Everyone loves to laugh, and Paul has unlocked the benefits to it on a corporate level. I highly suggest you read his book and see how you can add more laughter to your day. Paul Ozencup and all the funniness he is up to can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.